Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. Hey, y'all. It's Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, educational psychologist, maternal mental health expert, author, and parenting coach. And so we are here with another episode of the Mahogany Mamas podcast. And today we're changing it up a little bit. All of the time, it's females on the show, but today... We are doing something different and we have a dad, we have a male on the show, we're talking about fatherhood. And so today we have um, Mr. Michael Dangerfield. He is a licensed professional counselor. He is an author, he is a father, he is a husband. He is all the things. And so y'all help me welcome Mr. Michael Dangerfield to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, 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 how's it going Dr. Whitaker? Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Thank you. So tell us more about who you are and what you do. Oh, okay. So as you said, Michael Dangerfield, I'm a licensed professional counselor. In addition to having a private practice, all in therapy and wellness, I'm also a father. I am a husband. I'm a Christian. I'm involved in ministry, you know, a lot of ministry, marriage, young adults. Let's see. I'm a U.S. Navy veteran. I am a mentor, volunteer. I like to work with uh, really all kinds of people, but at the same time, I like investing in the young folks, especially those um, who might be in the system. So I do a lot of work with juveniles, mentoring, with probation. Wow, there's so much more I could probably say that I like to do. I'll just about try anything once, I guess. <laughs> so I was correct in saying you do all the things. <laughs> hey, I try, I do a lot and I try a lot and, you know, we go with what works. <laughs> okay, so this is a different episode because usually, like I said, we're talking to mom, but I wanted to talk to, I wanted to talk about fatherhood, right? We're in the month of June, Father's Day is coming up. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to get a male perspective because I, I feel like a lot of times, we don't hear from the dad's perspective. We know what we're going through. And sometimes we don't even care. I'm just going to be honest. We don't even care what the dads are experiencing. But I think it could be insightful to know that everything isn't what we probably assume it to be with dads. So we know the stresses that come with mom after having a baby, but we don't often hear about the stresses for dad. So mm-hmm. Talk to us about what's, what are some of the stressors that dads experience, you know, after having a child. Oh, that's that's great. It's a wide ranging array of stressors, uh, Dr. Whitaker, that range from, you know, very trivial seeming things like changing pampers sometimes to just presence. Right. So. You kind of alluded to it. Unfortunately, uh, you know, dads, dads get a bad rap sometimes because we're not present. We're not we're not there. Right. And so a lot of what the dads who now become fathers or the men who become fathers have to do is not only be present, but also make sure that they are involved. What does that look like for men who hadn't had consistent, you know, presence of a male in their lives? That's difficult, you know, because when you want to run, when you want to do what you see other men do, which is not be there, you're saying, no, I have to do this. I don't know what this feels like. But to be responsible for a life, another human being, you know, in addition to, you know, dealing with a spouse, a wife, a partner, whatever the case is, there's there's a lot there. There's a lot. And if we don't know how to, you know, express what we're feeling, what we're dealing with, 
we're holding all that stuff inside. So um, I can tell you, I hear from guys sometimes that say they've never changed a diaper in their life. And I'm like, how does that happen? Like, I don't, I, I really feel like I changed more diapers than my wife did, you know, and that was, that was okay because I was like, oh, she did the hard work, you know? So from that to being able to make sure that this role that we're oftentimes given of being a provider, you know, making sure that you're in a place to where you can ensure that you're there, you're present, you're providing, you can maintain a job, you can deal with, you know, maybe some of the emotional changes, hormonal changes that mom goes through, be present for the children. There's a wide array of, you know, like I said, small things and large things that men oftentimes are unprepared for. I think that's so interesting. And you said something about being able to communicate those feelings because I feel like women are so vocal and they, you know, are are ready to express how they feel. We do it, you know, naturally, easily. But a lot of times part of why we don't know what's happening is because men aren't vocal. Do you feel like that's because they aren't able to express what they're feeling or they can't put a they can't name it? Why do you think it's, you know, where's the breakdown? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. That, that's a, that, that's a multi-layered issue right there for men. For one thing, like you said, we don't know how, like many of us didn't get the education on this is what it looks like to have a conversation and to really make sense, be involved, understand, <laughs> you know, it's, it's more so like A, B equals C, you know, real direct for men sometimes, but you know, for women who are usually more well-versed in expressing feelings and being vocal, you know, we can't, we can't match that. So on one hand, there, there's limited un, uh, knowledge. And then on the other hand, that's not something that's really reinforced. When boys are growing up, unfortunately, you know, we see men present. When the men are present and being mentors with the boys that are there, if they don't have dads or whatever cases, it's usually in some type of activity. Right. It's like, go do this, go do that. This is how you do this. This is how you build that. But the dialogue in terms of going beyond surface instructions doesn't really happen much. So when men have to dialogue with women and others on a, on a deep level, it's almost like that's foreign to us. We, like we want to do it. And in our minds, we're preparing and rehearsing what it is we want to say, but it doesn't always come across, you know, in the way that we want to. And unfortunately, many men get really defensive, you know, when they have to respond, you know, on a level to connect with maybe a woman or someone who's more better at communicating and we just don't know how to do it deal with that and so break down and shut down and and you know recoiling and keeping all that stuff inside is usually the easier thing to do unfortunately that's so interesting because as you're talking i'm thinking about my i'm thinking about my boys and one of the ways that we communicate i think the best is when we're actually doing something together i can get them mm -hmm. to kind of open up to me more when we're doing an activity. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything major, but if we're right. listening, they're not, it seems like they're not working as hard to process as if we're sitting still and I'm trying to just ask them questions. They're just like, I don't know. But if we're doing <laughs> something, it seems right. like it, it's just flowing. The, the flow is better. So Yeah, and, and, and maybe that's because we are, for the most part, doers. If we don't have to sit still and focus and engage in a conversation and be able to be alert and sharp, but we can be distracted with doing other things, it feels a little bit more, you know, natural. 
and we're more likely to do it. You know, it's interesting. You know, I've had so much training and experience with communication, but I, I as you say that, I think about times me and my wife have conversations and it's about something we really need to have a conversation about. I'm always like, I'm folding some clothes or I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing something, right? Because I'm like, just the, and I mean, I deal with clients all the time, just the having to sit down and be able to not say the wrong thing and process and connect and, you know, that's, that's hard work. But if I'm able to kind of ease some of the attention by doing something else, then it makes it a whole lot easier. Hmm, you said tension. So maybe that, maybe it's putting, maybe it's <laughs> under tension when we're, you're trying to have a, like the sit down, the formal kind of conversation. It's mm-hmm. the tension you feel. Maybe men or boys are feeling tension, but when you're moving, the tension is, you're able to get rid of the tension. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably some studs, some studies around that somewhere, you know? Look into that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so why do you think there's so much negativity about fatherhood? Like we hear more about fathers who aren't present than we hear about the ones that are. I really feel like society has done that. You know, there's so much stigma and and, and then a lot of the norms that get set, set by society and just biases that can be presented in the media. Now, unfortunately, you know, stats would probably show, especially in certain cultures, that, you know, men are notoriously not present, you know, and it might look different depending on the, the culture and the, the area, uh, the demographics, but at the same time, that's what you hear most about. And I'll just speak, you know, as a black man, I'll just speak, you know, in the, in the black community, not only is that what you often hear, but it's often what's seen. Like, I don't know too many, you know, young men that grew up and men who are my peers now that can tell me, you know, very good stories about, you know, their dads being present and what they did. And it's like the friends I do have, the people I do connect with that have fathers who are present, you know, everybody else is like sitting down in awe, like, wow, your dad did that with you? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's because it just has not happened. And uh, part of it is just generational. When you have, you know, for whatever reason, men who are not present and, you know, multiple families being created and, and different things going on and you don't have that support. The the abandonment and the absence and all that that we receive becomes easy to do. It becomes easy to follow that trend and that pattern, that accountability, you know, because you didn't see it, you know, becomes easier to fulfill yourself. And when you just have those kind of cycles, it's just repetitive, you know, and until some energy and effort is put into kind of severing that pattern, you know, breaking that generational curse, as, as we often like to say, sometimes anyway, that's what you get. You know, that's that's what it looks like. And that's what's reinforced. Yeah. So that's why when you, um, you know, Mother's Day, stores are sold out of cards and restaurants are packed. But Father's Day, you can go to any store and get a card. <laughs> and some of that, though, I, it, it seems like it's, irrespective of culture. I mean, there are some cultures that are more like just family oriented, but even because mm-hmm. if that were the case, then we would see, you know, we would see more more cards off the shelf or more That's restaurant true. books. So there had there seems to be, there's some consistency across cultures where something is going on with that, where it's just, you know, we only see the negative. Um, now, so in my own family, it's, it's opposite. So when, mm-hmm. you know, my, I grew up with my dad, my, my uncles were present, but my dad's dad was kind of in and out. So I think they made a decision to be present because they knew what it was like for absolutely absent, right? So I think it, I think, like you said, it is generational. And I think it takes, 
intentionality to do something different, right? So I, I fall into the, the category of, I would say your dad, because I'm in the same boat, you know, where I had to make a decision. Like, I'm not going to emulate what I saw happen. I'm going to take, you know, what I saw and do better. And in my situation, you know, with my two daughters, I'm like, you know, I go overboard sometimes just because I didn't have that, you know, like I wanted. So, and that might be the intentionality within, you know, my, my generations to come, you know, if God says the same, where we break that cycle. And so I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm for a game. So just because you mentioned it, I'm like, I'm just going to throw this out there. What is it like to be a dad of two girls? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was, I would say it was all fun and games, Dr. Whitaker, when, uh, when they were baby babies, you know, like it, it, being able to laugh and play and roll and, and gravitate and watch them hit milestones and markers. That, that was, that was fun. It was exciting. I'm not saying it's not fun now, but <laughs> <laughs> they, they're 10 and 8 going on 11 and 9. And I see the personalities and I see, you know, the different dynamics. And, you know, whereas I used to change the diapers and bathe them and all that kind of stuff, like I got to knock on the doors and I got to, you know, like, <laughs> hey, her, like, what are y'all in there doing? Kind of uh-huh. thing. Like, dad, this, that, you know, that's, that's a different, that's a different feeling. And what's reinforced usually by people is, to me is oh wait till they get older wait till they get older and I'm like don't say that <laughs> like I want them to go back to being babies but I enjoy it because now I get to make more of an emotional connection with them and communicate with them and talk to them about relationships and talk to them about you know values and what they see and what they believe and that you know it's different than just playing with them you know, when they were smaller and just being, you know, being responsible for this life to now being responsible for nurturing, you know, minds that are developing and blossoming into their own. So it's a work nonetheless. I enjoy it, but it's, that's, that's challenging for me a lot of times. For real. So is it a, <laughs> would you say it's a heavy burden to carry to know that you are you, and they they don't know this. Um, I know this mm-hmm. true as, as as a grown woman looking back. But to know that you are like their first love, not in, in terms of, but just mm-hmm. you kind of create and set the example and the standard by which they will measure all other boys and men by. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I I take it as a a badge of honor. Actually, it's, that's not something that scares me so much. In fact, you know, like I go out of my way to normalize things for them like I allow I let them see me and my wife display affection in front of each other you know I talk to them about you know because they know family dynamics they know the divorces they know and they ask some questions and all that kind of stuff and so I'm they know what it's like to to have children and not be together I want them to know what it's like to to have a man present who's showing up who's being responsible who's having conversations that or, you know, seem taboo in society, but this is what you want in your life. So I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. You know, and for me, I'm like, shame on me if, you know, I don't take this time to to demonstrate to them what it should look like, you know, and them grow up and, you know, not have some type of structure for themselves and end up just, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. You know, I would feel bad about that. Badge of honor. I'm going to have to ask my dad, do you think, do you feel a badge of honor? <laughs> probably going to be like, girl, get out of here. Um, how has fatherhood changed your life? Changed your life? 
fatherhood gave me a more refined purpose. So when I was when I was growing up, I, and you know some of my story, we talked about it in the past. I was in the, in a situation where I'm the bottom of six, you know, and everybody's close knit, and I'm kind of the runt because I'm a couple of years under the 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 next sister or whatever. So they had a bond. And I was, you know, the runt on the outside looking in, trying to fit in and, and not really being received, right? So I, I spent a lot of time growing up trying to find different ways to connect with people, you know, through communication, through just interacting and doing things, sometimes not getting the reciprocal attention. But as long as they valued me for doing something for them, then I was fine. And I didn't have a, a strong uh, relationship with my dad at that time. And he was in and out. You know, he wasn't really... He was around. He was present, I guess, as some people would say, but he wasn't necessarily available or available, not present. So for me, the, the, the part that I had to, to learn to, to deal with was, okay, your whole life or a big chunk of your life, you've been trying to fit in. You've been trying to, you know, define yourself, connect with others and, and, and kind of bounce that off of others. When I became a father, in addition to being a husband, I've been married for, you know, maybe two and a half, almost three years at that time. It was different now because it's like, okay, the time for you to try to spend so much energy and effort trying to get others to see who you are and, and connect with others. Um, now you're responsible for making sure that you don't repeat a pattern, you know, that you probably seen within yourself. So it's Almost like when I became a father, it was like things changed. It was like the, the 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 switch flipped, and now was not so much saying, "Hey, but what about me?" You know, "Hey, consider me." Hey, you know, like I'm valuing you. Will you consider me? To okay, now I need to invest in you know doing better and being better, and you know, so that my children doesn't have to experience this type of thing that I did growing up. So wow, so it sounds like before it was maybe like in your head and then when you're when you became a dad it became actionable like let me implement let me put this in right 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 that's that's a very good way of saying it and and you know a lot about postpartum and stuff dr whitaker i'll tell you that that was something that i was not prepared for my wife experienced really bad postpartum when we had our first daughter and you know that's not something that men we don't really know a whole lot about that but then even if you know about it to see it in action, that was, that was something different. So I remember just being at a, you know, like my wife had to have our daughter uh, through emergency C-section. And there was just a lot of pain associated with that for her because like the epidural didn't take the way it was supposed to. And it was just all, it was like a, a really difficult thing for her to experience. And, and as a result of the pain and just some of the stuff that she was dealing with hormonally, she, she literally was like, get this baby out of my face, you know, like, I like almost like I don't want nothing to do with this baby, you know, and at that moment, I, there was not as much as I cared about her, my wife, and wanted to connect and be there for her, I had to make a decision, you know, like, we still have a newborn baby, and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to juggle this some kind of way, and I'll tell you, my, my oldest daughter is, to this day, still attached to the hip to me, because, I mean, minutes after her delivery it was me you know you know having to to hold her having to hold her close to my chest you know with a with a, a bottle from the NICU unit and all that kind of stuff and that was just and so I didn't have much time to to prepare for that like it was instantly 
go. And so thankfully, I, you know, I was at least aware enough to be able to understand some of what was going on, to be able to communicate, to be able to not take it personal, personally when, you know, it was, I was the enemy and, <laughs> and all of that, right? So it was, you know, don't ever touch me again. We have no more children and stuff like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> well, partly my fault, but, you know, so... It, it, it was a it was a, a a really quick awakening. It was it was like you said, everything was in my head, and up until that moment, to where it happened, it was like, okay, I don't I don't have a choice now. I know. I think that's so interesting because a lot of times we think that men don't have the kind of instinct that kicks in like like a mom's does because you know he hasn't been the one carrying the baby, but that's literally what happened. You knew that you had to take care of this baby, so. Some your something kicked in, right? I can remember after having my oldest son, because same situation, emergency C-section, I wasn't prepared. And it wasn't so much that I didn't want him. I was just so out of it that they, mm-hmm. they gave my son to my husband because I, I was just so loopy. They were like, we don't want her to drop him. Uh-oh, right, so right. My husband was like, I don't really know what to do. And then he fed the he fed my son the whole bottle. The nurse was like, what? The whole bottle? He was like, I don't know. Like, so, and then he was just like, they were asking him so many questions. And even though we had talked about a lot of things, he wasn't prepared for me not to be able to be present and aware. So he was like, right. that needs to be a whole conversation that couples need to have because he's like, we talked about this, but I never anticipated you not being able to tell me what to do, right? Or to, to right. tell me you want to do this or you don't. So, but I think that's what you said is so enlightening. The fact that like your instincts just kicked in and you were like, okay, this, I, she can't do it. So I got to step right. up. So how can we help me understand the importance of fatherhood or even help them prepare for situations? I guess we have to have more conversations, but help them prepare for you know, not just right after the birth, but even like fatherhood in general? Um, that's, that's a good question. We've talked a lot about men kind of being behind the curve when it comes to communication to some degree, but that's the best place to start. You know, being able to connect with the men folk where they can receive it. Like you said, you know, you had the baby and he probably had heard all y'all's baby plans and all the stuff that y'all talked about up until that point. But in his mind, it was okay. I'm, I'm, I'm backup. I'm alternate. I'm, I'm, right. you know, worst case scenario. Well, guess what? Worst case scenario happened, and you know, he wasn't probably fully present in some of those situations. So, just being patient enough with with the man, and like you said, women often think that men don't have that ability to to kick into, you know, to kick their instincts in, into go mode or whatever. But the reality is, we do, but they just look different. They look different than, than what a woman's natural nurturing mindset is. Like, you know, we'll figure out how to you know, make sure there's you know, some kind of clean cloth on a baby. You know, there's no pampers, but it might not. <laughs> you know, mom might be like, oh, my goodness, what you put on this child? You know, hey, it, it, it worked, right? But having those conversations in a way that he doesn't feel, one, intimidated by what's going on, but two, that he understands, like you said, the, the the value of, hey, just in case this happens, maybe we write this information down. Maybe we do whatever, you know, like have something in place for you to where you do feel 
comfortable in the way that you would do it. Because, I, you know, I was in the same boat. I, like, I didn't, I mean, I guess I got a chance to kind of deal with babies and see family. And I just always, you know, I had nieces and nephews early in life. And so I kind of understood some of that. But, you know, I was having to answer questions and I was having to, you know, make decisions that I would much rather her have been a part of or take the, the primary role in. But, hey, thank God that she at least trusted me enough. And, and you know, even when she was going through her process that she didn't totally say, well, you know, he's not in a position to be able to to, to take care of the baby and all that. So um, just being able to have that dialogue in a way that both people get it. That's probably the biggest thing that women can do to help men feel more comfortable and prepare in situations like that. Okay. That's good. You said trust. I'm like, that is... I think that's key, right? You have to be able to trust that at the end of the day that your husband, that it's his baby too, and he's got the baby's best interest at heart, irrespective of how the diaper gets put on. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, okay. that's true. We'll be right back with more of today's episode of the Mahogany Moms Podcast. Let's take some time. Are you a mom feeling overwhelmed, stressed by your day-to-day task? We have just the thing. Burps, Bibs, and Breakdowns is a journal with filling prompts, checklists to make sure mom is taking care of herself, and tips sprinkled throughout from other moms. This is the perfect journal for moms of one or moms of many. To order a journal today, go to MahoneyMomsPodcast.com or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's dive back into the show. Let's take some time and think for a minute. What's going on? And are we waiting? I've heard men say that their wives change after becoming mothers, that sometimes it becomes all about the child. Help us to understand what that means. I mean, I, I've heard men say it. I've never asked them to elaborate. Mm-hmm. But, and I think a lot of times sometimes what they're saying and what we're interpreting is not the same. So when, and I don't know if you've heard men say this too, but like my wife has changed all about the baby. What do you, what do you think that might mean for a man? I don't, you know. The biggest thing that comes to my mind when I think about that, and I guess my situation is a little different, uh, like, because I had to be, you know, uh, more involved, you know, as a dad than probably most dads would be early on. But uh, most times when when men get to the point to where they get married um, and they have established a relationship with their wives, it's usually when there's no children involved, it's usually them too, you know, and a man has an opportunity to um, experience his wife and have her there for him, you know, um, probably in a way that he's never really had, you know, other than maybe his mom, if his mom was present for him all the time, a woman who's there for him in a way that he feels like, Oh, this is my person. She's here for me. She, you know, and that's, there's a good feeling behind, you know, this is the one for me, you know, she's all about me. But when, when children come into the picture, it's more so like, okay, now brother, you gotta, you know, kind of fend for yourself a little bit because, you know, the expectation is that I'm going to be primary caregiver, you know, for the children. And consequently, you know, 
the shift from being all about husband to now being so heavily invested in the amount of time, which is amount of, a great amount of time that needs to be invested in babies, especially early on, becomes becomes a thing. And if there is no real communication, if there's no real dialogue about what that looks like, if there's just, you know, expectations of how things go and that's never resolved, then things can look real, real different, you know. And again, if men are behind the the the, the, the learning curve when it comes to talking about what they feel and what they really need, then they're more likely to just keep that inside. And, you know, women are like, okay, you're not saying nothing, you know, so I guess everything is okay. And they're focused on taking care of baby and home and all the many things that women take care of with, with right. ease, <laughs> with ease, you know, you can juggle everything. And, and we're over here saying, Hey, but what, you know, but what about me over here? So. Okay. So, well, this kind of goes into that question. Cause I was going to ask you, what kind of impact do you think fatherhood has on a marriage or even with your spouse? And I guess, you know, babies change. So, you know, it, I would imagine it would change, right? Because a, a baby is really needy and then right. they get older. But what do you feel like, what impact does fatherhood have on a marriage? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing as you asked that, Dr. Whitaker. I saw a meme on, uh, it might have been Instagram or TikTok, where uh, a lady, you know, was, was filming herself coming home and she was saying, like, little cut scenes, like, I can't believe I came home to this. I never would. I never would have thought I would have to sit here and watch someone that I really know steal my man's attention and affection and time. And I'm looking at this thing like, oh my god, what is this? She's coming home, <laughs> and then it cuts to him, and he's in the bed, and the baby's on his chest. You know, the baby girl's on his chest, and she's looking at him, and then, and he's like, she's like, that don't make no sense. Like she just stole my husband. Take it all so, mm-hmm. Right, right, and so, so I. I I use that to say, on the one hand, dads a lot of times are in a situation where they feel like the attention and affection that they got from their wife is has been, I don't want to say minimized, but it has changed. But they also, if they're involved, start to develop a connection with the child, you know, that's unlike anything that they've had before. And so now they start to kind of naturally shift from just husband to father. And like I was saying, for me, there's something about having a child that just changes your purpose. Yeah, of course, you're a husband. And and for me, you know, it's husband first next to, you know, Christian and, you know, but at the same time, you know, that there's an inherent responsibility, you know, to provide for a child. You know, you don't let that come between the relationship between husband and wife. But if this is an experience that you've never had before, if you haven't ever you know, been responsible for for having to care for someone else like that or or having such a little one, you know, be so dependent upon you and connect, have a connection with you, that can, you can get lost in that. You can get lost in that. And, and I know for me personally, I had established such a close connection with my, with my baby, my oldest girl, Hope, when she was born because of what happened that I had to be intentional sometimes about forcing her to have her own space because I, that separation anxiety for her was bad, you know, for like probably two, three years. If I wasn't around, she wouldn't even go to mom. Like mom couldn't hold her for a long time. I mean, it was like, if, if I'm not in her sight, if I'm not holding her, you know, where there was a lot of family around 
And so I had to say, you know what, <laughs> like I get it, but enough is enough, you know, because my wife <laughs> is equally as important, if not more important than you, we made you, you know? And so that that's a transition that if there's not communication, that can become a problem because that's a, you get excited about it. That's, you know, even though there's not a lot of cards and not a lot of stuff for us of gifts, just the feeling sometimes of, of, you know, being celebrated as a dad and to have your kids, you know, recognize you as dad, it's worth it. My, my oldest has a shirt that says epic like dad. And every time I see that shirt, I'm like, <laughs> it just does something to me. Like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, cool. I love that. But I also love what you said about provider, because I oftentimes wonder if when a man becomes a father, if he automatically starts to switch into this provider mode. And so he gets tunnel vision. So it's like, I got to go to work. I got to make sure I maintain my job. I got to do this because I now have to provide for my child. Mm-hmm. Not that he's not interested in a in a connection, but everything then becomes about making sure that this child has everything that they need and maybe want. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's almost a lot of men would use that as a measuring stick to say, you know, how fatherly an actual father is. There's levels to it. I'd say the the first level of that is when a man gets married, you know, he gets to a point to where, you know, you might hear men say this all the time. If it was just me, if I was just responsible for me, then I'd be all right. If I had to sleep out on the street or if I had to do this, you know, we say stuff like that because we've probably been in situations where we figured it out for ourselves. But when you get married, now you're responsible for a wife and it's not just you. And now when you have children, it's a whole nother layer to it. It's like, okay, you know, yeah, this might be a me wife tag team in this, but worst case scenario, like everything falls on me. I need to be able to be in a position to make sure I can hold us all together. So, so okay. So there's a there's a lot going on, right? There's a lot <laughs> in this whole like motherhood space. And so what I have started to see is a lot more women, you know, maybe well, I've seen a lot of women say they never you know, maybe picture themselves being married, but they always picture themselves being a mom. And so, you know, we talked about the the whole generational thing. So if you didn't have a dad around, maybe you don't know the importance of a dad, but what would you say are some of the the reasons why you would want to have a dad around and present? Oh man, that's good. I could probably speak from personal experience and not just textbook, but something about having dad around provides peace and reassurance. Mom is a nurturer. Mom is going to be there. We know at the end of the day, mom is going to make sure we have what we need. But it's something about dad's approval. It's something about seeing seeing dad be there, the strength that he often brings, um, the calm that he often brings when situations might seem chaotic, you know, is something that's that's lacking. And I would dare not generalize, you know, men and women's relationships, but I will say just within my life, you know, my wife has often said, and something about your calmness when I'm being frantic, you know, just makes things, you know, kind of easier for me to deal with. Because it's almost like, whereas women may have learned earlier on how to talk about what they feel, experience their emotions, present it, men had to Act. Men had to be able to be stoic and find solutions, not allow emotions to overwhelm us. 
but find the answer that makes the most sense. And so putting those two together is, you know, it's, it's just a balance. And so what, what dads and what men often bring is um, just the idea of confidence, the idea of, you know, even if things seem un, you know, unfavorable or hectic right now, that it can be okay if I just stick through this, if I find a solution, mom might be able to talk through it and make it make sense. But seeing dad there and not, you know, always have a, a confident response. And I mean, it could be a whole Hurricane Harvey outside and dad's like, oh, you know, let me just go board this up real quick. Let me go get the generator, let me, you know, and it's something about this, like, wow, you know, I can, I can relax. And so now the man, in his head and in his heart is probably doing it. He's probably frantic <laughs> and panicking too. I know I've been there, but, you know, we're well-versed in being able to, you know, put on game face and be able to just push through. I think that impulsivity sometimes is something that can, can I don't know, I don't know the, the research behind that, but I just feel like sometimes people are likely to be more impulsive in decision-making Whereas if they might have dad in addition to mom, who's there to kind of help balance thing, things out, you know, the tendency to not feel like everything has to be done in haste, you know, without kind of taking some time to think it through, you know, that, that, that tendency is reduced. And it's something about being able to say, I don't, you know, like I can pause. I don't have to respond to this thing right now in this way. I, I've seen, you know, so, so many situations where children were, you know, preparing for school or, you know, making decisions or whatever. And they reach out to mom and mom's like, oh, I gotta make this happen. I gotta make this happen. I gotta make this happen. And then it's like, they had a conversation with dad and dad's like, okay, well, you know, what's your options, <laughs> you know, talk <laughs> things through. And then before too long, it's like, well, you know, you got time. Do you really need that right now? And I, that, that tag team to me is just, that's how it was designed to go for me, spiritually speaking, that's how it was designed. And so if you have one person saying, you know, I want the benefit of having children, I don't necessarily need, you know, dad to be present. I can do this on my own. Yeah. I mean, you could do it, but you know, that's not necessarily how it was designed to go, you know? Right. And so there's going to be some ramifications to going at it that way, just like it would be if dad had to raise children by himself and mom was not present. Like, (laughs) you know, there's a missing piece. And so I can definitely attest to the, my dad is the, is, has been and, and is the calm to every storm, every emergency that I've ever had. My dad has been at the forefront, right? Or, you know, I, I can remember, I remember this very vividly. I've smashed my finger in the door and my mom had the keys in her hands and she's standing screaming for my dad who's in the house. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not very funny. Because <laughs> I can imagine that pain. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, really? Really? But yeah, like you said, the, the calm, the, the peace, the. So I had a fender bender when I was like 16 and I started driving. I think he had already thought through some of the things that could happen. So my mom's like, oh my gosh. And he's like, it happens. It's fine. Did you get this? Did you get this? Okay, we need to go back and get this. I mean, he was just so chill that I calmed down, right? Because I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> so because he was just calm, I was like, okay. So I do think I agree with you that that is by by design because they're right. two, two very different <laughs> ways to respond to things. And if you only know one way, then you tend to respond in kind, right? Right. That's true. That's true. 
So is there anything that you'd like to share that I haven't asked, you know, from something that you do or about fatherhood, about relationships that I haven't asked? I mean, that's so much I could say. I like, I can remember when, you know, things really, so we talked earlier about, you know, when, when having, having the girls and they were small, they were two and, and infant and four and two, like it was real fun and cute going to the park. And I was the fun, you know, my wife was chill. I was the activity. I had to go and take them to the park and right now. <laughs> and that was not as stressful to me, but that transition between, I remember, I remember one Sunday, it had to be about maybe four years ago and it was a father's day. And it, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, like they publicly kind of said, hey, we want to thank all the fathers, you know, and it you know, gave us a little kudos. Not anything different than I had already previously experienced. But I remember I broke down crying that Sunday in that service. And, you know, my wife, you know, she looked at me like, you know, like, are you okay? Because <laughs> very rarely did she probably see me cry, you know even though I've never been, you know, afraid to be vulnerable with her. But, you know, it's just, as I've gotten older, there's been less crying just because a lot of what I went through as a kid. But that Sunday, I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks. And what it really was, was the idea of, wow, I am, you know, even though this is me and my wife parenting our daughters, I am responsible for, you know, like you said, what, the, the impression that my daughter's going to have of what men should look like, what they should be. I mean, like they don't have grandpa who's, you know, another man that they can kind of, that it's just me, you know, when it comes to, you know, male figure in their life. And I'm like, the weight of that responsibility, the joy of that responsibility, all of it just kind of hit me at that moment. I don't know what, what words were said. I couldn't tell you what the, what the person said, but it, in that moment, it just hit me. And they were both there, like, you know, sitting one on each side of me. Like, sometimes my wife would force them to sit on the other side of, of her because she's like, no, y'all ain't sitting next to y'all dad because y'all going to be trying to, you know, he's going to distract y'all, y'all going to be distracting him. But that Sunday, it was, you know, one was on one side and it just, it did something to me. And like, ever since then, it's been, okay, it was cute to have my wife pick out dresses and stuff like that now, but the reality is, you know, they're going to school and they're seeing their peers and they're seeing stuff that, you know, the world says is okay, but, you know, spiritually for us and how we're parenting them, it's not okay, you know, and so all that kind of stuff just kind of hit me and I'm like, man, I, am I doing this right? Because I didn't necessarily have, you know, that for myself and my wife is leaning on me too to be the calm and be all these things and sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to do, so... Yeah, that that hit me. Um, and, and I think that hits men probably just not one time. That's something that men probably deal with a lot. And if they don't feel like their spouses or their safe space, then it's like they're dealing with all that on their own. And so, you know, transitioning into therapy, I get to do this work with men, you know, who come in and say, this responsibility I have, you know, like I'm trying and I feel like I'm going to drop the ball. I don't know what this looks like. My dad wasn't present. And so it's just a, I would encourage women to not give, you know, their men folk, the husband's dads, too much pressure. Give him a little grace as he tries to figure this thing out because he is all in. His all in just looks a little different than, you know, what you might be used to. So, 
that's something that I've experienced. That's something that I think if other women could see that, you know, and know that I, I am more inclined to talk. You know, I probably talk more to my wife, but <laughs> that's atypical. <laughs> and so men, they're not talking, but they, they feel what I'm saying right now. So and they're more likely to not say nothing if they feel like they can't communicate it in an intelligible way. So, you know, that's what I would say probably to women to, to, to be considerate of, you know, whether men are what they might be struggling with and, you know, the room that they need to improve and all that. So that's good. I love that. All in. They're all in, even though they're all in may look different from our all in. Mm-hmm. So if if a mom wants to find you, maybe she's looking for a therapist for her husband, or maybe she's like, we need some family counseling. Where can <laughs> right. she find you? That's, you know, I guess that was a nice segue. So my my business is All In Therapy and Wellness, and it's www.allin-therapy.com. So that's the easiest way to find me. Of course, I'm on Instagram, M underscore danger, the helper, all one word, um, on IG, Facebook. I don't even know what my Facebook name is, <laughs> but they're, <laughs> connect, they're connected. So I'm not hard to, I'm not hard to find at all. But yeah, I, I would encourage you women, folks, if you want to, you know, get your men involved and encourage him, send them my way. If you want to come and sit down and, you know, have some, some dialogue and some time to understand what he might be trying to say, you know, and do some family sessions. I'm here for it for sure. And you also have a, you have a book, right? I have a few books, actually. Yeah, so I have one book. (laughs) I've been busy a little bit in my quiet time. One book I have is called Reflections of a Man. It's a men's journal, and it's designed to do this kind of thing because men, like we said, usually don't talk. I wanted to create a safe space to where they could at least journal some things, you know, to, to put down on paper what it is that they feel. So even if they don't have the time or space to have the conversations, they can write the stuff down. At least they can pass it on. And at least wife or children can know this is what dad thought about this. So it's not just a journal. It's also kind of a legacy builder. And legacy is important for men. You know, they want to make sure when when they're gone that they, you know, what they felt lives on and their presence lives on. Um, I kind of did the same thing with women. and, And I framed it in a way to where women had an opportunity to understand some of the things that men want to know, mm-hmm. but may not, but may not ask. So the women's version is reflections of a woman, questions from a man. And so I just kind of flipped it where the men get to ask questions of the women. That's probably, you know, something that she would maybe tell to her girlfriends or have in open dialogue with others, but may not directly say to them and to generate conversation and dialogue about, you know, knowing, <laughs> spouse on a deeper level, knowing men, men and women knowing each other on a deeper level. And it could also serve as something that could pass down to children and others as well. Now, the last book that I just came up with, I really, it's not fully, it's released, but I haven't done like a launch for it or anything like that. So it's available on Amazon and on my website, but it's called Identity Crisis Averted. And this is my memoir. This is me talking about, you know, my backstory, And, you know, because I get a chance to work with so many people and I love pouring into people and I'm like, yeah, every helper has a backstory, you know, and so this is this is my opportunity for people to know uh, what led me down this, you know, this path and how was I able to, you know, avoid and, and navigate around these identity crises that you see people experience all around us. And so it was fun. This was me being able to in my own little, you know, 
real but witty and, and some you know in some places kind of you know theoretical with counseling and stuff I got a chance to put that all together so awesome I love these journals I'm like okay then I get the journal for my husband then I get the journal for me guys you can find all of his books on if you follow him on any of the social media or social the media. website mm-hmm. They're all there. I want to thank you so much for joining us and for shedding some light for our moms. And so I hope that they, you know, are able to not only hear what you said, but to really like digest it and apply it to their own relationships. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This was great. I hope I made sense. <laughs> I, really, I really got outside of my therapeutic mindset and said, you know, this is just, you know, this is real life for me. So. Yeah, this was fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.